This is the Daily Roll Call Podcast, talking Tennessee with Kathy Henners. Hey, welcome to the Daily Roll Call Podcast. I'm Kathy Henners, your host, along with Dave Vance, our co-host, and our producer, Bobby Curley. As protesters, you know, continue to occupy downtown Nashville, Tennesseans need to be prepared in upcoming months, probably to see pockets of violence undoubtedly sparked by the winner of, you know, our upcoming election. As we have seen in other major cities like Atlanta, Chicago, and certainly Portland, Oregon, um, you know, it isn't by chance that these protesters have made um, our state representatives or any political figures their target. You know, they are well-organized, they're well-funded, and they want to aid the left uh, in their agenda, which is with intimidation and harassment. Uh, one, one of our state representatives, Chris Todd, uh, from House District 73, which is basically Madison County in the western part of the state, uh, he recently had an encounter uh, with some of these protesters, and he's here to tell us all about it. Um, so welcome, Chris, and thank you for, for being on. Thank you for having me. I just want to talk about real quick... Um, you know, a lot of people have expressed concerns about the level that we're seeing of law enforcement in general. We see, you know, troopers and the Metro Police. Um, what is the atmosphere like every day when you're trying to go into work to do what you do and you're surrounded, you know, by, by state police and Metro Police and protesters? What, what's that like? You know, it'd be hard for me to speak uh, uh, how someone else would feel, um, but for myself, uh, I certainly feel a, a greater sense of safety, um, and, but it almost seems to me unnecessary. I hate to see the expense that we're going to for that extra protection, and I, I generally, for me, I think it's protection for our grounds and our facilities there and our monuments that our state uh, citizens hold so dearly and want to see those protected. So I have been supportive of the increased level of uh participation with state troopers and other law enforcement there to protect those facilities, not just to protect the legislators. I mean, we, we certainly, I'm sure if they weren't there, we would see uh, a different level of um, uh, involvement, if you will, of them trying to prohibit us from doing our jobs. And, and uh, you know, they've, they've certainly harassed a number of us. Um, and, you know, I think most of us have tried to let that roll off just like water off the duck's back. But it is pretty frustrating to see and, and hear some, some of the instances that have happened. Yeah, it's got to be frustrating. I mean, you know, again, like you said, the, the cost of state taxpayers for the extra, um, you know, protection for the state capitol and certainly for Metro Police and, and what they're going through. So it's a difficult time for, for everybody. And, um, you know, the protesters seem to be just kind of hanging there. Um, but from what I understand, they were um, cleared out. Were they the camper, the ones that were kind of camping? Have they been cleared out from there? They have been. As a matter of fact, we passed some legislation last Wednesday evening, and uh, that would have affected uh, the camping situation. And uh, I understood by Thursday morning, all of that was gone. All of their materials were gone. Their tents, their refrigerators, couches, whatever else they had out there were gone. And uh, as a matter of fact, I drove by today and there was nothing. So you had just average everyday citizens being able to walk and use that area without having to look at all that mess that they had created and or try to get through there if you were going from one place to another. Good to know. 
Dave, I know you have a, a lot of questions to ask Representative Todd. Oh, yeah, I've got a few. Um, first, I uh, appreciate you coming on with us again. And um, the um, they, were, they were removed out. What was the new what was the new law that was put into place that uh, helped to clear them out? What, what does that law do? How is it different than the anti-camping law they had before? Well, first of all, we define camping a little better. Uh, there seemed to have been some, um, I guess, lack of interpretation of what I would consider pretty plain English about it. But we did clarify that uh, you know what what classifies as camping, basically erecting any kind of structure, and it would require a permit because there are some some lawful things that go on on the Capitol grounds that uh, for different events where you would have to have a tent uh, erected, and and so uh, General Services, I believe, will handle the permitting for that. But uh, they're not allowed to erect any kind of structures or covers or even a tarp uh, to, um, to, to sit there and stay there for any period of time. Uh, we created um, you know, some extra penalties for that. Uh, it's now uh, a felony to um, be camping on the Capitol grounds, and, which includes Legislative Plaza. And um, it, it's unfortunate that these things are even necessary, but um, and, and we've got some mandatory minimum sentences for several things that, you know, for rioting and aggravated rioting and, uh, and even uh, assaulting police officers. So there were several things that law did that I think uh, was really a common sense approach that most of the constituents that I have and many across the state have been calling for, that we need to do something to protect our our. Uh, monuments to protect our capital grounds uh, and then uh, also allow people to come and go freely but also protect the right to peacefully assemble and and protest if that's what you want to do but uh, you know for me the, the, the definition kind of ends when, you, when you're talking about peaceful protest, protesting it kind of ends when you start violating the rights of someone else you start infringing on someone else's rights your First Amendment right ends at that point, and, and that's really what we did is to find that and uh, clarify what the penalties were going to be uh, once you do that, cross that line. Well, good. It's definitely needed. Um, you know, Nashville's in a pretty bad shape fiscally, and, you know, you have the constant protest by BLM, among others, BMN and Altifa, and BLM, of course, is a Marxist organization. You know, you've got the COVID restrictions that are affecting the economy of Nashville, and that's one of our, Nashville's one of the big money makers for our state. Uh, and now we hear that there's people in the city council that want to do a BLM mural right there in Nashville, uh, like other cities have done. And it just seems to me that the mayor is out of control. It seems to me that he kind of helps fuel the stuff that's going on. He certainly seems supportive of it. Uh, what what else can be done? Uh, can you know? Could the, could the charter be revoked? Could the state take over uh, the city? And I don't say you know I don't advocate something like that lightly. But with the mayor that's out of control, uh, you know something's got to be done. Certainly, those options are on the table. I don't know that they're being strongly considered uh, with what's going on right now because we don't have an immediate uh, concern, I don't guess. I think the, the biggest concern that, that has been expressed by state government about the city of Nashville is over their finances in, in, earlier in the year. 
And uh, as was discussed in one of our committee meetings last week, there were there were some folks that were opposed to this legislation that increased penalties for rioting and, and assault on police officers and, and the like. And they were, uh, and then we also had another bill that was being discussed about the same time that dealt with uh, removing the uh, civil immunity from cities and counties if they chose to do certain things. And the, the statement was made that we shouldn't, as a state and state legislature, we shouldn't be passing down rules and regulations for cities and counties, that we wouldn't want the federal government doing that. And I was quick to remind them, uh, and this is all recorded, but I, I was quick to remind them that the cities and counties are subdivisions of the state first and foremost, and the federal government was formed by the states, and it's not reverse of that. So yes, the state is where the power is. We should be the ones telling not only the cities and counties how to act and what they should do for the citizens of the state, but we also should be telling the federal government how to act and reining in their abuse of power and their, uh, what I would consider, uh, you know, their expansion of uh, power that, that is unconstitutional. Absolutely. I, I, I agree 100%. And, and people do get confused sometimes. You know, conservatives were all about keeping the federal government out. But then some people will say, well, then, you know, the state shouldn't have any say. But you, you're absolutely right. The cities and the counties are creations of the state and not vice versa. Um, now, in terms of Nashville, I mean, you know, kind of back to this BLM mural a little bit, uh, even if we don't take over Nashville, and I understand that would take a whole lot for that to happen, uh, could we at least restrict their, you know, and make sure that state funds are not used for something like that? Because I think, you know, it's wrong to celebrate and to show support for a known Marxist organization that's a violent racist organization. I don't think that our city should be allowed to certainly to use state dollars for that is could we at least make sure they don't use state dollars for that? Well, I, I'm sure there's a mechanism for doing that. I don't know exactly what state dollars they possibly could use for that unless it's like the, the shell game, you know, money came from over here and we put it over there. But um, I think that it is wrong for these municipalities to even look at doing something like that and supporting or honoring an organization without fully vetting that organization. Um, I think if they want to allow citizens to do something that's temporary, I mean, putting paint on a street is permanent. I don't see how you can do that <clears throat> in the uh, interest of public safety because you're, you're interfering with the markings that are already on the street. So that, first and foremost, from a safety standpoint, seemed very, very odd to me. But, um, you know, I, I've been more concerned with what these cities and counties have, uh, and, and this is not Tennessee necessarily, but certainly Nashville was one of them, but across the country where their leaders, their, uh, the, the leadership of those entities have directed the police forces to do certain things like back off of an area, don't enforce the law during this riot or or this, quote, protest. And, and we did push back against that. Uh, we had a bill last week introduced, and it passed, and, and I understand it will be signed into law shortly, that uh, if a city or county official chooses 
to give an order to stand down and for, for either law enforcement or first responders to stay out of an area and not do their job in a particular area because of a riot or, uh, or a protest, as they may interpret it, then they, at that moment, are removing the civil immunity, the civil liability immunity that exists now for those cities and counties, which would, in effect, mean that any business or organization or private property, even in that zone that was damaged or person, you know, the company or the entity lost uh, revenue or whatever it might be, they would then have the ability to recover those damages from that city or county in a court of law. So right now you can't do that. They, they have been immune, but uh, once this is signed into law, they would be giving away that immunity if they so chose to do that. And it's not a mandate. It's strictly giving them the choice. If you want to choose to make this decision, here's your consequence. Well, good. That's definitely uh, the kind of stuff that needs to be put into effect. Uh, we discovered recently that the state is echoing the BLM mes message of systematic racism uh, with training being offered to juvenile justice officers and others. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, we do have it up on our uh, on the Daily Roll Call blog. Um, and, you know, that's the state, you know, <laughs> Echoing a message that's not true and it's not helpful. You know, what, what can we do about that? I certainly agree with you there that it is not, first of all, it's not true and it definitely is not helpful. I'm, I'm not sure where that's coming from, but as you know, with administration changes, most of government doesn't change. You still have folks in that bureaucracy that have most of them been there a long time. Uh, we have a lot of uh, folks that. Um, don't think like the average citizen on things like this, and uh, they'll take an opportunity to slip something in like this when they have it. Uh, when they have it. Um, and then when we discover it, then we have to deal with it. Uh, as a legislature, I think we have to watch for those things. We have to rely on folks like you to bring that to our attention, and then we go to that commissioner or the director and find out how that happened, uh, what they're, what really, what they're thinking, and uh, and then start to uh, push back on that. We had we had something last week, uh, the well-being checks that were proposed by the Department of Education, and uh, you know they've even gone so far as telling us as legislators that our own folks in the legislature vetted those and approved those. Well, I found differently. Um, they were given this material. And handed it, handed to them, and basically asked to rubber stamp it, and they they weren't really offered an opportunity to uh, change it or edit it. Uh, just just basically, here it is. We're going to have some meetings. Thank you for your help. And now we're putting it out in the public. So um, you know, when we see that, we start pushing back, and uh, it's amazing what ten or twelve phone calls can do to a department in, in a matter of hours. And uh, they all of a sudden start realizing there's a mistake has been made and, and we need to back up and, and rethink this. So that happened on the well-being check last week, uh, which, again, was while we were in session, which just blew my mind that they didn't bring this to several of us, leadership at least in both houses, and say, what do you think about this? We're, we're looking at releasing this. And I think in about five minutes, they would have understood what's wrong with it. But um Related to the, the BLM uh, systemic racism uh, training and, and uh, the things that, that uh, has been brought to our attention, those are things we would need to check into right now. That's, that was new information to me. 
And uh, I would certainly like to know more about it and let them know that, that I don't feel like that's appropriate. I think there's some assumptions there that they make about, again, systemic racism that I don't believe are true. There's no foundation for it. And I think a lot of those folks believe if you say it often enough and, and, and enough times, then it'll become truth. And and it has that has happened. That's that folks assume it is true now because it's said on every street corner. Well, yeah, when, especially when you have a public official saying that, when you have it in an official publication, when you're training your state employees or at least offering that training to them as an accredited course for their yearly requirement of training, um, that's that's the message it sends. Um, so I, I'm going to forward you something later that will shock you even more along these lines on this issue. But uh, I won't bring it up now since okay. you haven't seen it, but I, I'm going to I'll make sure that you get a, get your eyes on it. Um, there's a committee meeting this week to deal with the issue of the emergency powers of the governor prompted by concerns over actions taken in response to COVID-19. Uh, what can you tell us about that committee and what would you like to see come out of it? I know members of the committee have already begun talking to other legislators and uh, and even the public about how they feel about what has taken place this year under the emergency powers. And uh, matter of fact, I was in a meeting with the House Republican freshman group just last week with one of the committee members who reached out to me and asked me for that meeting. So we pulled up our group together and, and we began to discuss the concerns that we have had during the last several months of, of going through uh, the exercise of those powers and and even some bigger pictures, uh, one of which, and this is getting into my personal feelings, but I share it with several others, and that is what's constitutional. Um, I think the governor acted in accordance with the law that was before him. I think his advisors read the law and said, this is what you are allowed to do. But I believe, and I have maintained the entire time, that we are under a much higher standard than what's in our law books. We are under the standard of the Constitution of the state of Tennessee and the United States. So if you vet those laws against those two documents, that's where I believe we start to see some holes in it. And I believe this committee, at the end of the process, will probably bring some legislation to us next spring that will probably repeal some of those laws and may introduce some new ones that will clean that up. Because these, to my knowledge, these have never been challenged in court to really judge their constitutionality. So now that's, I believe that's kind of what this committee is really doing in my mind is judging that constitutionality and then coming up with a solution once they determine where the, the problems and issues are. Well, I hope they get it right, and I'm glad that you've been in touch with them. I know a couple of people on that committee that I have an overall good opinion of. There's some others I'm kind of concerned about, but I'm, I'm glad that you're uh, in touch with them, and it's, I think you'll be keeping an eye on that. Uh, we definitely need to get that right. Like you said, the standard is the Constitution. It's not just a law that was passed that may not have been constitutional. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. This is COVID-19. Who knows how long it's going to last? Who knows what's going to happen when we have COVID-20 or 21. Uh, so we definitely got to get this right on the emergency powers issues because we're still a free country, or supposed to be anyway. And uh, I, I definitely appreciate your perspective on that. Uh, once again, I thank you for coming on. Before I turn you back over to Kathy, uh, is there anything else you would like to uh, talk about? 
Well, I know there was uh, certainly a lot of uh, concern about us going back into special session last week. There were pros and cons. Obviously, there's an expense to that. Um, had things happened differently, and we had uh, probably good, accurate information that the last day we were there in session in June, we might could have avoided this. But I think um, it, just looking at it in hindsight, it, it was a, uh, in my opinion, for the citizens of the state of Tennessee, it was a very good special session and well worth our time and energy to put into that to not only come up with the COVID Liability Act that we did, that that so many across our state churches, nonprofits, businesses, schools were all begging for. And I had them talking to me constantly, churches and schools specifically, that needed this protection. And so we've got that put in place. Then we, we obviously responded to what the citizenry wanted uh, on these uh, rioters that, that sometimes are called protesters. And then uh, pushing back against the, the bad behavior. Absolutely. Pushing back against the, the bad actors in these cities that are allowing some of this to happen. Uh, and then the telemedicine bill. We had a, a significant piece of legislation that, that allows people uh, from this point forward for a certain period of time at least. It, and I think once we get through that period of time, it's going to be natural and the insurance companies will will have it uh, basically integrated into their all of their systems. But to be able to talk to your doctor online, uh, over the phone or video chat, whatever it might be, instead of going to the office. And there's many reasons that people need to do that. Uh, you've been allowed to do that in certain cir circumstances with, with certain providers, but this opens that up uh, considerably. And so I think the citizens are going to see a lot of benefit from the things we did uh, just in, the, in a matter of three days. It was very well planned out. Our leadership uh, really uh, took this to heart and had been working for quite some time, really since the end of June or middle of June, uh, on, on structuring these things and, and working out details and compromising and discussing with members how this was going to look. And then they set the plan in, in place. Our speakers uh, of the House, speakers uh, Cameron Sexton, I think did an excellent job driving that train in the House where things can go uh, off the rails very quickly sometimes, just with procedure and with the, the a variety of opinions we have from across the state. So we did a great job keeping things together and uh, made it as efficient as, it, as we possibly could. Three days is a minimum to get anything passed like this. So we were able to do it in the, in the absolute minimum amount of time. Well, it's, it sounds like some things that uh, needed to be done were done. Obviously, there's a lot more, but I'm glad to have you up there, even though you're not my representative. Um, it, it sounds like you have the, the right frame of mind and, and will stand up for what's right, and I appreciate that. Once again, thanks for coming on. I'm going to turn you back over to Kathy. Thank you, Dave. I guess my last question uh, would be um, something that I'm sure a lot of people would like to hear about. Um, is there anything new as far as uh, regarding the standing on the mail-in voting? Is that anything that you can touch on? I'm not intimately uh, knowledgeable of that, but I, I do know that the state Supreme Court struck down the ruling from the chancellor that said we must have absentee voting for absolutely any reason. And uh, so that for the November elections, at least my understanding, is off. So they we're, I, I believe I'm understanding that we're back under the original law that we passed, not some judge 
uh, Quays have passed, and uh, that uh, you know that certain members of the population um, automatically can get a, an a, a, uh, absentee ballot. Um, others, you know, have to request it for certain situations. But uh, but it's basically going back to what we have been doing for years to uh, provide that option for folks that truly need it. Good. I'm glad to hear that. You know, I, I wasn't sure what the standing was. I had heard something about a court uh, that, you know, made a ruling, but good to know. Uh, I think most people agree that at this point, uh, it's probably not a good idea. And, um, you know, that the post office boxes are not being lifted off the streets and things like that. So, um, Bob, did you have any questions? I'm fine. The one thing I, I did want to add, and I say this just from a personal perspective, uh, this well-being piece you brought up, uh, my wife in particular and I have been hot and heavy on this. We actually took uh, that document and we made a YouTube video and put it out there and went you know, page by page showing people, telling people, you know, don't don't just take our word for it. You need to see this. The um, we found that the audio or the, the radio interview that Ms. Schwinn did was disappointing. Her letter late Friday afternoon saying they're coming back for a version two. Um, I just I just will say there's a lot of people, and we're not going to let up until we find out, one, how is it possible for something like this would be done? I don't care where the money came from. Our rights are not for sale. Uh, and my biggest complaint is exactly what you hit on. There are you know, legislative, judiciary, and fiscal reviews that have to happen for these things. And I don't think the people of Tennessee want a version 2.0 of this. What we would like to know is how did this even come about? And uh, if there's anything that you can do to encourage that, we're our representative is Clay Doggett. We like Clay a lot. Uh, we're in constant contact with him. Um, my wife happens to be the chairman of the Republican Party here in Lawrence County where we live. Uh, we're not going to let this uh, just go by with a, we've taken it down. There's more to that needs to be answered, and I would hope that you could be one of those to ask more questions. We really need to know what's happening with this well-being piece, how it even came about. Uh, we'll certainly continue to ask those questions and push back against any effort to just dress it up a little bit and send it back out because that's not going to be acceptable. Well, we greatly appreciate it. That's all I had. I, and I'm, I wasn't expecting that to come up. So I just say thank you uh, for your due diligence and to hear your words. My wife will uh, be very um, relieved to know that uh, there's a number of people that are in contact with her. Even the, the governor's office called her uh, the other day and said they would uh, send her some information. Still haven't heard anything. It was just some some contact. And it's one of those, you know, pat you on the head, let's calm them down. Our concern is that it will then be let's just slide it under the radar under some other program in some other way. It's just, it's just, it's mind boggling. When I look at that document and read through it, I, it just blows me away. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us um, uh, and for being a part of this. It, it means an awful lot. So glad to been an honor to be here with you guys. Chris, did you want to get in a little bit to the interaction you had with the, uh, the protesters? I would be glad to. It was it was pretty interesting, and and uh, I, I guess I kind of wondered there for the last um, month, uh, certainly when we were here in June, why you know I hadn't already had something like this happen. But uh, the uh, last Monday, as we went into session and got things started, um, a number of legislators moved, uh, went to leave and uh, leave our garage, and outside the garage. 
there were uh, a number of folks uh, with signs and, you know, they were walking back and forth on the sidewalk and had the, the garage door blocked. And um, the uh, state troopers, I guess, uh, held the door. It's, it's kind of an automatic thing, motion sense deal. And uh, they held it. And, um, and so cars started backing up in the garage. There were probably seven or eight anyway when I started to pull out. And then I got a text from the speaker that I needed to come back upstairs and, and have a quick meeting. So I, I backed my truck into a parking spot and went on up. Well, while I was upstairs, we started getting word that uh, a number of protesters were being arrested because they had they were blocking the entrance and they were refusing to move. And uh, I don't know what all the charges were, but they were, were getting that situation under control. So, and again, it took a, a mass of state troopers to do that because there was probably 40 or 50 folks out there on the sidewalk. Um, I have no idea really who they were, what they were representing. They, they had signs with different things on them. I didn't pay that much attention to their signs because I, I purposefully do not want to give any uh, credence to folks that have, have turned to that uh, level of, um, of, of what they define as protesting. I, I think that's crossing the line when you're blocking someone's path from exiting a building or even walking down the sidewalk or driving down the street. But um, so I don't know what who they represented, but uh, I, I think since then I've understood that that some of them have even uh, gone after hours, if you want to call it that, and talked to some of our troopers and and mentioned that they were being paid. So I know there's some of that going on. I'm sure not all of them are. But um, anyway, when I came down about 30 minutes later, I, there was no there were no cars in front of me, and I just rolled right down to the door, and the door opened, and then I see all these these folks standing around. Uh, so I started driving out toward the street. I had a clear path in front of me, and except for a car that was partially pulled out onto the street, but it was stopped, and it was the direction I was going to go. And as soon as I paused, they closed in around me. So I had 30 or 40 right up next to my truck all the way around me. I don't even think I was fully out of the garage. I think the door was still up, and uh, and and I'm just trying not to run over anybody at that point. And so... I just laid on my horn. I'm just smiling at them, and they're waving and screaming and beating, and, you know, just just waving their signs and whatnot. And um, I just laid on my horn and thought, well, maybe they will move, and they didn't move. And uh, then I, I put it in neutral and rev my, my Cummins diesel up just a little bit, and uh, they backed up a, a couple of feet all of a sudden. And so I put it in drive, and I moved forward a few inches very slowly. Well, that made them mad. So they moved in much more closely. They're right up on my hood, I mean, literally touching my bumper. And then they started beating on my truck with their hands all the way around my truck. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't scared. I was just annoyed that they're blocking my, my, my exit here. I can't get to an appointment I had. And I really didn't know where the troopers were, but I assumed they were still dealing with the first wave of, of folks that got violent. And uh, I know they arrested some of those. And, and so, uh, well, we'll just sat here. Well, my horn overheated, I guess. I didn't know they could do that. Uh, it quit blowing. And so all I could do is sit there. And then after a minute or two, it cooled off enough. I could start blowing the horn again to just uh, hopefully get them to move. And uh, then after several minutes, uh, I had this wave of troopers come down both sides of my truck and from my rear and started pushing them back. And of course, they were screaming, don't lay hands on me and whatever. Uh, but they pushed them back and they basically made a shoulder to shoulder double wall, one on each side of my truck for me to continue driving on out to the street and go about my way. 
And one thing that really annoyed me is once I got out on the street, there were no less than a half dozen Nashville Metro police officers either on foot or on motorcycles blocking the road down the hill so that no one would come driving through there and bother these protesters is what it appeared. They weren't up helping me out. They weren't helping get these folks out of my way so that I could go about my way peacefully. And so that kind of ticked me off. I don't know if they were ordered to do that or that standard protocol or what, but it certainly uh, struck me as they weren't enforcing the the laws that they should have been at that moment. Um, The other encounter I learned about later was with uh, Representative Curtis Halford, who is uh, much older than I am from Gibson County. And uh, he was walking to his apartment uh, one evening. I think it may have been Wednesday evening. And uh, he had someone just just surround, you know, get in his face and and start harassing him all the way to his apartment um, or or a decent amount of that way. And um, and then some from a a vehicle uh, started yelling at him and cursing at him. And um, an officer saw this going on and approached and those folks actually sped off and ran a red light. So the officer was able to give chase, pull them over. And ended up, I, I think, arresting them from the, the from uh, Representative Halford's version. I believe he said they, they it appeared they were being arrested. Uh, I'm sure they were resisting arrest, uh, not obeying what the officer was trying to get them to do. But he was definitely verbally har- harassed just walking to his apartment. And he's not the first one. We've had others that, that that has happened where they're going to a restaurant or something, and they will literally come in and sit down at your table and just scream and curse at you, of course, while they're filming. They film everything, hoping to catch us in a moment of weakness where we might lash out at them, and they can use that against us. So we, most of us, have, have been able to keep our composure and and uh, know that you know, they're they're not going to do anything to hurt us. Uh, just going to be annoying. And um, I, I I hope I, I don't know if they know this or not, but I hope they know many of us are exercising our Second Amendment rights all the time we're uh, in in the downtown Nashville because most of the time you can go for a long time and never see a police officer other than these state troopers that are uh, taking care of the Capitol grounds. We did make it a felony to trespass on the property of an elected official, a law enforcement officer, or a judge with the intent to harass. So uh, there's some mandatory minimums that come with that because we've seen that uh, in Shelby County where uh, an elected official was harassed, uh, literally had fireworks shot at her house and uh, all kinds of things there in her front yard. And so uh, we have beefed up, again, very common sense things that, that I think our neighbors and, and uh, fellow citizens have uh, demanded. So there were, there, we did a, we got a lot of good things accomplished that, that last week that will, I think, have a lasting um, uh, benefit to the citizens of this state and protect those that uh, most of us certainly agree need to be protected and and the grounds that that we hold sacred uh, be protected. Well, if you remember months ago, we had Maxine Waters uh, calling on, you know, you know, calling on people to, yeah, harass and um, intimidate, you know, Republicans and conservatives. So I guess I'm not surprised by that, but uh, Tennessee representatives, uh, Chris Todd, thank you so much uh, for being on tonight with your insight on many important issues to Tennesseans specifically. And uh, as everybody has pointed out, we hope that you will uh, come back and visit us. And certainly if anything, um, you know, you think we should talk about, uh, let us know. 
and we look forward to having you on again. Thank you so much. And that's going to do it for this episode of Daily Roll Call. I'll see you next time. This is the Daily Roll Call podcast, Talking Tennessee with Kathy Hibbs.